0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Trying to make sure we have all the mics uh, correct. Is it on? Okay. So in our parable today, in our gospel story, which is supposed to be good news, gospel means good news, If you read it, if you pay attention to it, they talk a lot about weeping and gnashing of teeth and being thrown into the outer darkness. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of good news to me, but places with weeping and gnashing of teeth are not places what we want to go. There are places we try to avoid. We don't ask Siri for directions there. We don't ask Alexa how to get there. There are places we try to avoid and yet sometimes we end up there anyway. Usually, well pretty much always, I make the case for God being in the midst of those places with us, that God is actually most especially with us when we are weeping and gnashing our teeth or are in the outer darkness, whatever that may be. God is with us in the painful places, places that are awfully unfair, in the randomly violent, in mourning, in persistent injustice, in the failures and the losses. Our parable today is one of the most confusing parables in scripture. I struggle with it. Read that last part again. I struggle with it. And in that struggle, I'm called and I call you to stay open to divine mystery that we may not ever know all the answers, but we are called to interpret scripture with fear and trembling and humility. Remembering that it is our work, our joy, and our gift to trust in God's goodness, even in confusion, when interpretations don't easily line up with our pat, comforting answers. The parable today tells us that the host of a great banquet, the king, will send poor schmucks, to awful places with weeping and gnashing of teeth when they don't dress right for the party to which they have finally been invited. That is a confusing parable. We can conjecture that the outer darkness might be the places of separation that we choose for ourselves because of our sin. But like I said, I I believe that God would be there too even if we didn't acknowledge or recognize God. This parable, though, would have us on edge about whether God is there and about so many other things, not just on edge, but actually afraid. Very, very afraid. If this parable is about the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus says it is, it seems to be presented as a very complicated and messy place so let's talk about the king in a passionate outrageous better yet outraged fashion like a parent warning at someone one of their kids very rationally calmly and reasonably at first but then just losing it when they've had to repeat the same instruction one too many times, just like that, the king overreacts. He loses his cool, not once, but twice, and quite viciously. What kind of holy, responsible authority is that? The image and the actions of the king in this parable don't speak to me of true authority, but of power out of control. And yet this is the image, the story presented as representing the kingdom of God. This out of controlness and rage is not an endorsement of the rage. But I believe it's a way to get our attention. It's a way to get our attention. In this parable, describing a messed up kingdom feast, destruction and being cast out into outer darkness are meant to make us take notice, to pay attention, to focus, to fully receive what God would like us to participate in. Jesus wants us to participate in the community of God and to pay attention to how we do it. By relating these terrible, complicated outbursts, whether we are the first of the invited elite or the B, C, or D list needed to fill the room, whether we are early or late arrivals, Having received the kingdom, having received the invitation, we are warned, reminded dramatically that we are meant to be all in as we participate in the feast. For me, the imagery triggers. It is distasteful and some call it surreal. But in Matthew's gospel and on Jesus's lips, the story is a plea, it's a supplication, a begging, a last-ditch effort for us to pay attention and participate with our very core, with our cherished being, with our best. We are invited to the feast. Show up fully. Show up so let's see how this parable might fit for us in contemporary times. It says the kingdom of heaven is like receiving an invitation to a royal wedding. Well, our very own presiding Bishop Michael Curry, just a little while ago, a couple years ago, received an invitation to an actual royal wedding. So he was invited not just to attend, but to speak, to preach. The spotlight on the wor- of the world on him as he did so. So the kingdom of heaven is like receiving an invitation to speak or preach at a royal wedding. And if we compare it to our parable, it would be as if presiding Bishop Michael Curry did not show up. Or if he did, he showed up half prepared with a bad message, a dialed in sermon. Both not showing up and coming unprepared are equally offensive. One leaves a gap that is hard to fill, and the other fills it up with junk food. The host would be justifiably unhappy with both scenarios, and more to the point, the world would have missed a rare opportunity to talk about love. Of course, he did show up, and he preached about love and so many heard. And that was a rare opportunity to be united if even for just 13 Jesus and love-filled minutes, which was the length, give or take, of the sermon. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry showed up to preach a spirit-filled sermon on love for an actual royal wedding to which he had been invited. He put on a fine wedding robe And the world responded. I have to admit, I don't know if you remember all that hype, but I have to admit that I was surprised at how surprised everyone was that a preacher would preach about love at a wedding. Articles written about it all over, comments about how great it was. It was a great sermon, but it wasn't a surprising sermon. Preached about love. He brought his clothing of conviction, his best. He was obviously all in, and a world already too much in the outer darkness, even back then, responded as if they had been starving in the middle of all that abundance. It shows how hungry, Our neighbors our world are for someone to show up and bring the message of redemption of love to show courage to bring the message of salvation shows the loneliness in the middle of abundance of our lives Christ hungers for us to consider the opportunities surreal or as uncomfortable as they might be and to show up And perfect the party. There is a robe of righteousness that the Creator of all things seen and unseen offers us now in stepping up to do what we need to do in love and healing and that robe of righteousness is whatever tools or gifts we have that could be a covering, a salve for the ills of the world. This Sunday has been deemed the national coming out Sunday. And I thought of the first same-sex weddings in church, just weddings that we were able to have just a few short years ago in this precious church. The first was a young couple, John and Hunter, who were the first down at uh, City Hall to get their marriage uh, license as soon as it was legal. And that was a fine celebration from which we put on our best robes and showed up for love and equality and the world getting it right. Later, We celebrated Robert and David in a parish wedding that was wonderful and inclusive and, again, a celebration of what was right and a salve for a world that needed love to fill in the gaps of injustice and still needs that. When I was thinking about what robes of righteousness we are to put on once we're invited to whatever feast God is putting on for us, when we are to show up from the outer darkness, which could be injustice or violence. I also remembered that young woman, Emma Gonzalez. She's 18 years old and a student at Parkland High School. In Florida, when her classmates, 17, were gunned down. She was a featured speaker at the March for Our Lives that year. And I don't know if any of you saw this or even remember it, but she stood up in silence for 6 and 6 minutes and 20 seconds of striking solemn silence which was an amount of silence equivalent to the amount of time it had taken for that massacre to happen she showed up fully in that silence as a salve for a world in need of healing. She was clothed in her lavish garments, her commitment and grief, and oddly enough, she showed up from the outer darkness, the pain of having been through that terrible violence. She showed up from the outer darkness to focus the nation's attention on what really matters. So we might not have a center stage, we may have a smaller audience, but in this parable, even with its destructive images, the out of controlness, the chaos, might be our invitation to stop playing small in a world that needs a banquet of compassion, a feast of love, a regular celebration to which good and bad are both invited. I see that there is an equality of expectation here in this parable. All are fully invited, no matter what the timeline, and all are expected to fully participate with everything they have, body, heart, mind, and soul. With the fullness of ourselves, we are expected to participate with our whole being, because this is the kingdom of heaven we are talking about, breaking into our lives. The various types of guests, rich or poor, and in between at the King's Feast, seemed to get in their own way. They had everything they needed for a life of grace and favor, and they blew it. Yes, the invitation is unearned and freely given, freely extended, and there is a way, not one perfect way, not at always getting everything right way, but a faithful, wholehearted, fully aware, and all-in way to participate, to attend once the party gets going. Our friends here at Trinity, who were amongst the first to get married, Bishop Curry, Emma Gonzalez, could never really have foreseen the opportunities that would be given to them or the participation that love would demand, but they were ready. This parable will always keep me a little on edge. When Jesus told it and as Matthew embellishes it, it's a parable about the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven wild and unruly, inclusive and demanding, unexpected and unforeseen. And the plea in the middle of all the verbiage and imagery, the plea in the middle of the anger, the rejections, the excuses, and half-heartedness, the divine plea in this, in this story, is for us to know that the invitation is serious and the invitation demands a full, wholehearted response. Even when we're weak, it is for us, it is for you, it is for me, fully to engage and not to hedge our bets in any way and to claim it for it is ours, because God has given it to us. That invitation is received, extended, and whether or not we like it or not, it's to a complicated, wonderful kingdom of heaven, which we only get a glimpse of now. Amen.